We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by M-Prize Bank, your partner in Possible. Who you do business with is more important than where they're located. Bank from the comfort of your own home with M-Prize Bank. Coming up, the latest episode of the KC Laboratory Podcast with Ken Swanson, Craig Stout, and Matt Lane. Coming to you on the fastest growing sports media network in Kansas City. You can find all of our channels covering all the local teams wherever you listen to podcasts or on YouTube. Just search KCSN. And now, the latest episode of the KC Laboratory. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the KC Laboratory, brought to you by Emprise Bank. I am Craig Stout. That is Maddie Lane. We are so damn excited to be talking football to you in officially June. Maddie, my friend, how is this June Chiefs offseason treating you, buddy? Oh, it's just a wonderful time of year. We are we are deep into the offseason. We are deep into summer. There's so nothing cooler going on than talking about the Chiefs and their um, doings of not <laughs> even training camp, but OTAs. I mean, like they went to the White House today. They were invited. We saw some pictures. We, do we, are we breaking that down for the next 42 I mean, minutes? We I could spend 42 minutes on Frank Clark and his actions oh, in the White House. And then Thursday's show, we could just break down Colin. And I, I, I feel like this. Oh, wait. Neither one of those guys are Chiefs right now. We probably shouldn't do that. No, but okay. to be honest. Here we go. Yeah, go ahead, what Matt. was Travis yeah. Kelsey going to say before Mahomes properly cut him off that's the see Travis Kelsey was just gonna shout out uh Norma Hunt and give her a little rest in peace and Patrick just didn't realize it that's probably what it is seriously though you know prayers up to the Hunt family and all of that losing the matriarch of the Chiefs there that 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 does stink a little bit but um yeah, we are going to kind of pivot today rather than just talking about off-season stuff we are going to spin this thing around we are going to talk a little bit about offensive line play everybody's favorite and no yes not just not just breaking down where Jawan Taylor and where Donovan Smith are going to play we've done that plenty this offseason and the Chiefs gave us a little more of that in OTAs 
We'll get back to that when it comes up to camp. Trust me, we got more of that. We're going to spend a little time today talking about Andy Heck, what he wants from his offensive linemen, and more specifically how it applies to the players on the roster right now. If you go to the KCSN Substack, that's KCSN Daily, you can find it at kcsn.substack.com. You can go there. I am doing an off-season series breaking down the techniques for Andy Heck. We're not going to spend a ton of time on what I'm covering there. Those people that are spending the $30 a year or $5 a month, well worth it for the 300 plus newsletters you get every single year, giveaways, Discord. There's so much stuff. You've heard us talk about it before. Go there if you want to subscribe. There's going to be plenty of videos, technique, stuff like that. We're going to focus more on the players on the roster. I'm not necessarily doing that. I'm more teaching, not teaching, but going over the techniques right there. We're going to talk about the players on the roster here, Maddie, and we're going to start with the interior offensive linemen. The new the guys. Chiefs, the, the new guys. No, not the new guys. The the entrenched veterans here. That's why we're starting with them because we gotta we gotta tease the news guy, new guys for the end, right? Like we get we gotta do that at the very end. So Chiefs interior offensive linemen, let's start with those guys there and how to set the pocket here. Andy Heck, when he's talking about setting the pocket, this sets kind of the depth of the pocket. The front three there, I'll you know. You know, everybody's seen Patrick Mahomes step up and through the pocket, plenty, any quarterback step up and through the pocket. That's what sets the depth of the pocket. Manny, just talking about those guys there, Trey Smith, Creed Humphrey, Joe Tooney, how good do you feel about their ability to basically set the front of the pocket as far up the field as they can possibly go and give Patrick Mahomes the time he needs to step up into the pocket? Yeah, uh, they've been pretty good at that over the past uh, two seasons. <laughs> it's something that those guys are more time they get with each other, they're better gonna they better they are going to play because they understand when to help each other, when they don't have to, how to make things work out. I think we'll kind of get into it as we go on here, but uh, a big thing for Andy Heck and so a lot of offensive line coaches, not just him, but Andy Heck in particular, is your inside shoulder has to be strong. You have to be able to hold, and this goes from your tackles to your guards. So your guards can't get get beaten in the A-gap, and it's usually a little bit more of their responsibility than the centers necessarily to make sure there's not a quick pressure right up that spot. He wants his guards and then his center and then his tackle to set their inside shoulder. That's part of not giving up that ground. So Joe Tooney, Trey Smith, they do got a little bit of a difficult, a more difficult task here because they have to make sure they're not beaten to the inside, but then they have to stay strong enough, flat enough, and wide enough to not get beat super quickly on the outside, although they will get some help. Again, I think we're going to touch on that here in a little while. Mm-hmm. But it is about how far back are these guys going to give up some space? How far back will they get pushed if they are bull rushed? What kind of pocket are they going to leave for Patrick Mahomes? And I think we saw early in this career when the interior offensive line wasn't as stout, both in terms of their physical presence, but then also their play, he was a lot more or less willing to step up into the pocket. He was a lot less willing to try to escape through the middle of the pocket or hang around back there. He was always looking to escape out the backside. I think that we've seen him get a lot more comfortable with doing is staying in the pocket or moving forward. And I feel like a lot of that has to be credited to the interior offensive line. Yeah, it helps when you have a couple of all pros. And oh yeah, Trey Smith, who's pretty damn good as well on the interior there. 
Andy Heck has basically been able to put his full trust in those three in the middle. And conversely, so has Patrick Mahomes. We have seen him be a lot more comfortable in the pocket, be a lot more comfortable hanging in the pocket for longer. A lot of the issues that we've seen with Mahomes, he's been able to rectify as he's been able to just kind of hang in there. You know, we we've talked and we'll get to the offensive tackles here in a second, but we've, as Maddie was alluding to, maybe getting to 12 yards deep. Maybe, you know, not feeling super comfortable in the heart of that pocket where everybody, you know, kind of bunches around. And so drifting out the back, now all of a sudden it allows the defender an easy route around the outside there. Mahomes made a concentrated effort this last year to hang in the pocket a little bit more, to make sure to give his offensive tackles the ability to kind of set the width there. And that stems entirely from that interior offensive line. It is no coincidence that Patrick Mahomes has one of the best years of his career, avoiding sacks, avoiding pressures, avoiding all of that by simply just being able to hang in the pocket. And that's that's exactly what Andy Heck wants. That's what Andy Reid wants. That's what Patrick Mahomes wants. Yes, all the fun stuff with him escaping the pocket and doing all of that is great. And it's awesome on the highlight reel. It's, it's really, truly exceptional to watch a player like that have that in his bag and be able to go to it to get them out of a bind when it's needed. But the ability to just kind of sit back there and dissect those guys is exactly what made that offense go last year. And part of that is because Andy Heck leaned so hard on these aggressive interior offensive line sets. These creep sets is what he calls them. You know, it's kind of like a simulated jump set, but he uses it a little more when players are off their frame as well. It's not just when guys are lined head up or, you know, an inside or an outside shade. It's it's also for guys that are maybe aligned head up from the guy outside of them. That's a, a responsibility for that. In these, Andy Heck wants to engage the defender immediately, as soon as humanly possible within the construct of the pocket to try and make sure that he gets that first contact with the defender, knocks him off balance, and helps to set the front of that pocket. When you've got Creed Humphrey, Joe Tooney, and Trey Smith that have the kind of striking power that they do and the kind of agility that most of those guys do to get to some of these areas, it allows you to construct the front of the pocket at maybe two yards deep, whereas maybe, you know, as Maddie was alluding to there, there were years where maybe you were lucky to get the front of the pocket three and a half or four yards deep. Instead, now you're getting it two yards deep, maybe three yards at the most. And for Patrick Mahomes and any quarterback, you're sitting there and you're going, man, you know, just like Step Brothers, look at all the room for activities because you got that front line that's set up that way. That stems from those sets and from those guys accepting that technique so readily and so early in their career. For sure. And it's a it's been a big part of what the Chiefs have done. I mean, this is all guys along the offensive line. This isn't just an interior thing, but these creep sets are kind of been one of Andy Heck's staples. Um, it's something that he's coached numerous times through clinics or when he's gone to be a coach at pro days or whatever. Like he's there's plenty of stuff out there on it. It's, it's a very similar to a quick set. It's just or quick set or jump set. It's just instead of jumping or leaving the ground, or instead of just standing straight up and trying to fire your hands, you are taking a lot of short steps, keeping your feet in contact with the ground, creeping, slowly working your way towards your <laughs> opponent until you can get your hands on them. The whole point is to be able to keep your feet in the ground, in the ground as much as possible. It's all tiny steps. 
it's not like it's the most innovative thing, but I think he's kind of one of the pioneers of this particular blocking thing. Uh, he, gets, he gets a lot of credit from offensive line people, a lot of credit for it. Yeah. yeah. And so that's, and that's a big thing that they do. And the chiefs do it a lot. And you, when you watch them, you're not going to see, if you go watch other offensive lines around, around the NFL, you'll see plenty of quick sets and whether it's a jump or whether it's just coming out of their stance and throwing their hands, you just don't see as many guys do it the same way the chiefs do with these creep sets. Some players will, just not everybody, and it does. It allows you to get hands on guys early. It allows these offensive linemen to win with their hands, not necessarily their feet all the time, although your feet still have to be plenty active, but it mm-hmm. allows you to get into contact. It allows you to start to control the engagement. And for both of these reasons, you know, setting this, this hard pocket depth and then also getting this contact done early, I think it's why you don't see the Chiefs that often, especially with these three guys in the interior, really get blown up. It's why you don't see them getting pushed back into Mahomes' lap a ton. When they do do lose reps, it's usually somebody crossing their face. It's somebody winning around the outside of the guard, taking a little bit longer path. And that's kind of the downside, so to speak, of the way that they coach it is there is there is a little bit of room for some defenders that have this lateral agility and a good rush plan to maybe win on a little bit longer of a rep or to win by crossing the face of an offensive lineman trying to set set this hard pocket. So it's it's very good. I'm not saying anything's bad. I just that is the mm-hmm. one slight downside that comes from the way the interior of the offensive line plays. And I think that kind of matches the, the few times we've seen them kind of have rough games. And on top of that, Andy Heck preaches force the defender the long way around and we'll get to some of that with the offensive tackles and what Maddie's talking about as far as protecting that inside shoulder. If you have to make him go to the outside and turn a corner around you, even on the interior there, he would much rather prefer that than allowing it as a quick inside pressure or a pressure through the body of the player. He would much rather make that guy run around the outside because these guys are trained then to try and shield that defender off of that, allowing Patrick Mahomes to step up and have an escape route there. If they're just collapsing the pocket entirely through the chest of the offensive lineman or through the A-gap there, that's a problem. Like that's a major, major problem that doesn't allow the quarterback room to work in the pocket. And so therefore it makes them a lot more uncomfortable. We saw that a ton again, maybe three, four years ago. They made a concerted effort a couple of years ago to go out, spend a lot of money on Joe Tooney, a lot, you know, a high draft pick on Creed Humphrey and do a lot of homework on Trey Smith to get a guy like that in order to construct this pocket. And so now you have all of this. And when you watch Andy Heck talk about offensive linemen, he's got a few clinics out there. There are a lot of these clinics that have recent tape on them where he'll be going through and he'll be using, you know, Mitchell Schwartz examples, Eric Fisher examples. He's got interior guys that he's highlighting there. He's got some Creed stuff. He's got some Trey stuff. He's got some older interior. Jeff Allen's part of that as well. Like he's highlighting a lot of this stuff to the point where I started to wonder if Joe Tooney was doing things the way that he wanted to, because he didn't talk about him at all. One of these clinics, he's like an hour in, he hasn't mentioned Joe Tooney at all. No, he was just saving the last basically half an hour, just showing Joe Tooney doing everything picture perfectly and all of that. So made a concerted effort to do that because of what they were having to do with their offensive tackles in the scheme, which we will get back to right after this break. 
Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. Welcome back. We are talking about offensive line. Oh, wait. I believe I'm supposed to say like, share, subscribe, or something like that what right you, here. With transitions like that, I'm, you can do whatever you want. Like, Kent's going to be out of a job. You, <laughs> whoo, that was, that was smooth. Kent, Kent is the opposite of concerned with what's happening right now on this podcast. So I'm not too terribly worried about all of that. Keep your head on a swivel, Kent. Yeah, let's kick it off to the offensive tackles. That's where the new blood is here. And let's start with what we did with the interior offensive linemen and talking about how they build the pocket. I think everybody, when they think about offensive tackles, are thinking about making sure that you don't get beat up the arc. And especially with the Kansas City Chiefs over the past couple of years, that has been a prime focus with Andrew Wiley and Orlando Brown Jr. out there. Andy Heck doesn't necessarily view it that way. I just got done saying he would much rather, you know, these guys get beat around the outside because it takes longer. Andy Heck builds it with width as the primary focus for those offensive tackles. So that means much like, you know, those offensive interior offensive linemen, he wants them to kind of maybe get out a little bit further, get out in some of these angle sets and try and engage the defender early in the rep and set the width of the pocket as far as they can there. So you've got the the hard front edge of the interior offensive line there, and now you're crafting the width of the pocket out here with your offensive tackles. He is less concerned, once again, getting beat hard up the arc and more concerned with trying to make sure that there's ample room in the pocket for Patrick Mahomes to navigate. If there is somebody that wins, a defender that wins on the inside, his ability to navigate laterally in the pocket is crafted by those offensive tackles. And now you've got Jawan Taylor and Wanye Morris, Donovan Smith, Lucas Nyang. Who knows who the other guy as part of this is? I think we're just confirming that Jawan Taylor is going to be one of the starters. Now you've got a bunch of these guys, three of them brand new, one of them coming off of injury that, Maddie, I think probably do a better job of getting out into space a little bit more and landing strikes than maybe the previous two did over the past couple of years. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, like they definitely have transitioned. Andrew Wiley's a really athletic guy as well, so it's really just kind of the the transition from Orlando Brown Jr. to whoever's playing left tackle. You and I don't even see. I'm I'm talking myself in circles now. I don't know if Donovan Smith's that much more athletic than Orlando Brown Jr. and his past set, right? So you might actually be looking at similar levels of athleticism. That said, yes, I do think Donovan Smith and then Juwan Taylor, even compared to Wiley, if those are the two guys we're looking at have a little bit more explosion coming out of their stance. They can get a little bit more width or depth or whatever you want them to do. I do think they offer you a little bit more versatility. Um, So yeah, I do think that there could be not necessarily a change because the Chiefs have had athletic tackles in the past under Andy Heck. When you go back to, you know, Eric Fisher and Mitchell Schwartz maybe didn't test the most athletically, but he had no qualms with his movement as an offensive tackle. Phenomenal positioning. Exceptionally efficient with it. Um, so yeah, it's interesting. It actually, it surprises me a little bit to hear you talk about how uh, important setting the width of the pocket is from the offensive tackles, because from what I've noticed and from what I've talked to people, and they're really big on not getting beat to the inside. So that's kind of a, those two things pull you two different directions to set the width, but then also make sure that you don't get beat to the inside and offer help into the B gap for your offensive guard. And see, that's where maybe the philosophy has shifted a little bit over the last two years with the strength of the interior offensive line a little bit there. That changes kind of the way that they have to protect the inside. When you go back and you watch like Jawan Taylor's Jacksonville Jaguars tape, there is a ton of, you know, again, Doug Peterson out there, you know, they're they're training these offensive linemen a similar way to what Andy Heck, Andy Reid want those guys to do. You see Jawan Taylor vertical setting a lot more and making sure that he's got that strong inside hand trying to protect that B gap and offering help to the interior offensive lineman a lot more. Now you switch over here to Andrew Wiley and Orlando Brown Jr. over the past two years, and you're not seeing them focus on protecting that inside gap. You're not seeing them focus in the same ways, trying to hold up with that B gap with that strong inside hand. And maybe that's because They didn't trust them as much to get into the position that they wanted to. So it's like, hey, man, get out your stance. Get to where you need to be because relative positioning is so much more important than maybe checking that inside gap. And, hey, Orlando, you got Joe Tooney on the inside. We we can trust that you're going to be able to have some help. You're going to be able to handle that sort of thing. So I don't know if it was a little bit more of a shift in philosophy from that standpoint, but it certainly could be vice versa now with a guy that's a lot more athletic in Juwan Taylor, a guy that maybe is a little more precise is certainly more technically sound than Orlando Brown jr. You go in Donovan Smith, you watch the Brown jr. He gets the job done. But when Andy heck talks about, Hey, don't give up your chest. Don't sit here and try and, you know, if, if a guy's trying to bull rush you or long arm you, you, you got to get that hand. I believe his direct quote is get that shit off of you. Like, you know, he wants you to not do that, Orlando Brown Jr. was just such a different player, and he allowed him to play in a way that he could just kind of engulf guys and sit on some of those. Yes, he's going to give up the chest. He's going to allow an anchor and still be able to set the width of the pocket the way that Andy Heck wants him to, whereas Donovan Smith's going to be a guy that's going to be more focused on clearing hands, trying to get himself into that position. So it is a change in philosophy in that regard. And I... I always wonder, and I think uh, I think we are going into you know vertical setting next. So I'm just going to kind of start to combine this a yeah. little bit now. 
because Orlando Brown Jr. kind of struggled with vertical setting. When he first got to Kansas City, not last year, but the year before, they were still doing it a lot. I mean, like that mm-hmm. was essentially all that was essentially all quick sets, creep sets, and vertical setting for Eric Fisher and Mitchell Schwartz. That was the vast majority of what those two guys did. To Craig's point, it could have been to help protect a less talented offensive guard pairing than what they've had now. So, like that shift makes sense. Also, if you go back and watch Orlando Brown's first six, seven, eight games with the Chiefs, that he was trying to vertically set and he was really trying to get depth straight back. And guess what it led to? It led to a lot of losses on the inside shoulder, something that Andy Heck absolutely will not accept. Even we're talking about here about setting setting width, there's still one thing. You cannot lose your inside shoulder if you're an offensive or any offensive lineman, but specifically an offensive tackle if you're getting playing under Andy Heck. And that was something that was happening to Orlando Brown Jr. This big, strong guy was getting beat on his inside shoulder a ton. A lot of them were trying to vertically set. And I think he was just overextending a little bit, trying to get back there in that regard. So I also wonder if that was part of a little bit of this philosophy switch. And hey, this guy can't really do this super well. What if we just let him maximize the thing he does really well, be really wide with really long arms. We maximize that by not having him drop straight back. We kind of angle him out, force guys to run around him, And we did see an uptick in Orlando Brown's play kind of as that philosophy shifted in. Yeah, absolutely. More angle sets uh, coming out at a 45 degree angle to get to that, you know, get to the point where he needs to be earlier in the rep getting his hands on a guy a little bit earlier, and once again, forcing the defender the long way around. If you're going to get beat, make it take longer than two seconds to get beat. And by coming out at that 45-degree angle and you know having guys like Trey Smith checking back to the outside or Joe Tooney checking back to the outside, that makes a difference there. I did think it was interesting when Lucas Niang got into the lineup a little bit more, a guy that was drafted during the time of Mitchell Schwartz, who learned to vertical set from, you know, from the Cleveland Browns system there, you know, Joe Thomas, elite vertical setter, just absolutely terrific, effortless vertical setter. Mitchell Schwartz learns it from him. He comes over here. Andy Hacks already kind of got it in his arsenal. He's teaching Eric Fisher as well. It just made sense. Lucas Niang, Vertical sets better than any of the other offensive tackles that they had on the roster. Like it is a lot more fluid than that. That's not saying that he's, you know, elite at it or anything like that, but it was just such a stark difference from guys like Eric Fitcher, Mitchell Schwartz to going to a guy like, you know, Orlando Brown Jr. and Andrew Wiley. Jawan Taylor can vertical set. It, it, it's quite effortless. Like he gets up the arc really well. Wanye Morris maybe can he's coming out of two systems where he didn't have to do it a ton like he really didn't that tennessee system he's he's quick set everything he did in college doesn't really count (laughs) he doesn't just just wrap it up and throw it out so any of these projections we're making about one morris it could be worse or better simply you know if he's picking it up quickly awesome man you know he might be able to do it Donovan Smith did vertical set a little bit more in Tampa Bay than maybe Orlando Brown Jr. did as well. So we might be seeing a shift back to vertical setting again. And that that could make some changes to the way that the Kansas City Chiefs do some of this. Because if you are dropping, you know, for those of you who don't know, vertical setting, basically your first step is going to be straight up the arc instead of at an angle up the arc. So you're dropping more straight back in the pocket there. Now, again... You're still setting the width of the pocket with your offensive tackles. 
It just might be now at 11 yards deep. Why would you do that? Maybe you're talking about having deeper drops. Patrick Mahomes got the ball out a little bit quicker over the past couple of years because he needed to. Certainly last year we saw a focus on intermediate and more shallow routes and less deep shots in the arsenal there. First of all, they didn't have you know receivers that they really trusted to make the moves on those sorts of things. Patrick Mahomes hasn't always been the best deep shot guy in his career, which is hilarious to say, but it it, it is absolutely true. Yeah, it absolutely is. So the natural progression would be, hey, move to more intermediate, spread the ball around a little bit more, try and take advantage of the space that you can create with Juju Smith-Schuster, Travis Kelsey, running back coming out of the backfield. You know, it, there were lots of ways that they found space in this offense. If you want to go back to a vertical passing offense again, you need to be able to protect up the arc. And they've gone out and they've gotten two guys that can protect up the arc a lot more. So I guess this is one of the questions. I know this towards the end of what we were talking about, Maddie, but we'll go to it right now. Do we expect more deep shots out of this offense simply because the offensive line is better suited to give him time to do those sorts of things? I mean, I definitely agree with the latter point that they are better suited, whether it is more vertical pass sets that are going to extend the pocket back a little bit, allow you to take a five-step drop out of the shotgun, you know, allow you to take a true deep drop back out of the shotgun and not have to immediately start stepping forward. Like you go back and look when Mahomes dropped deep, there was a lot of times the past year or two where as soon as he hits the back of his drop, he does have to start climbing. And not that it's a bad thing, that's completely normal, but it does also hamper your ability to really push the ball downfield, especially if you're having to come that forward quickly out of the, out of shotgun, right? If you're under center and you're hitting your seven steps, then moving forward, you still had to retreat the full seven steps out of shotgun retreat. You know, if you hit five and then have to step forward, your tackle's losing deep pretty quick. All this to say is, I do think they have the ability now to throw in a few deeper developing comps or longer developing concepts to push the ball down the field. I 100% think that is something they see in their game plan that they need. They have not been good at connecting downfield. If you want to continue to force teams into too high safety looks, if you want to continue to make teams, ex- you know, respect the deep game you got to start connecting on some and when you don't have a Tyree kill who can just run by everybody and then run under the bomb you got to figure out a way to make that happen and that might need to be a longer developing play so getting guys that can take these vertical sets even more than that getting offensive tackles that are a little bit more nimble and reactive and can maybe hold up to a second like part of a pass rush plan Orlando Brown Jr. was very good for the Kansas City Chiefs but if Mm -hmm. you got into secondary part of your rush if you had a counter planned if your initial plan stopped he does struggle to redirect his body weight he does struggle to mirror once you get to that point and Andrew Wiley had good moments but I wouldn't say that's his strongest suit either is mirroring and staying with rushers through a long prolonged pass rush so like you get guys like a Jawan Taylor like Wanye Morris maybe that have a little bit more ability to just be reactive in these high-end athletes and you can see that yeah they might give you that extra quarter of a second to get a push the ball downfield so i'm hoping it leads to this i'm hoping it's there it makes sense theoretically it makes sense i mean a quarter of a second is a lifetime in the pocket <laughs> like it, oh, it really yeah, Matty, Matty, Matty says that like oh is it, you know that, that extra quarter of a second might buy you a little bit more there i mean a quarter of a second is the difference between tom brady 
last year, 2.45 seconds to Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay, <laughs> 2.7 seconds. Like that's a lifetime. That's that's basically the very bottom of the pack to the middle of the pack is a quarter of a second. And that quarter of a second could make all the difference in this offense. We'll talk a little bit about what more they can do with that and how they can adjust with their offensive line play right after this break. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. It is June. We are breaking down offensive line technique and play... (laughs) (laughs) this is KC Sports Network, baby. Uh, Thank you all for watching so much and listening so much. Like, share, subscribe, do all that stuff. Take yourself a drink. A quarter of a second. The difference between Adidas giving you an island and being considered a slow wide receiver at the NFL. That's true. That is absolutely true. So let's talk about those weapons just a little bit to kind of piggyback on what you're talking about there. Buying that extra time. Not having a Tyree kill, not having a four-two athlete, McCole Hardman, not having a McCole Hardman. Yes, Kadarius Tony has some high-end explosive traits, but nobody's going to say, "Okay, that guy is going to just just run by everybody, every safety in the secondary." That's not his game necessarily. You've got to be able to dial up some of those routes, Maddie. You you kind of started this movement a little bit there, so I'm going to bring this up. Demarcus Robinson, what was his best <laughs> route? <laughs> Alrighty. the post corner. Or I mean, it's any kind of double move. But you know, the corner post corner is, I think, the big one. The post corner post as well. Any double move, man. Any any double move you want to throw down the field, this man had it right. Like Absolutely. anything you want to let this man work vertically, give a, a, a usually two fakes because it's Demarcus Robinson. He can't settle for just a double <laughs> move, like a, a double move. He's getting that triple in there. So you're going to, yeah, he's, he's, he's got to have a little, corner, little extra motion. The corner, hit you the post, then come back to the corner or vice versa. But like, he's getting you with a lot. Hey, do you remember what Demarcus Robinson ran as his 40 time in college? Cause I got it right here. Four, he five, four, two. Four five six at the combine. Oh, I almost went even slower. And okay. a four five eight at a pro day. That is not blazing fast. Demarcus Robinson got open deep. That's what this team is going to need to rely on a little bit more. And those sorts of routes take that extra little bit of time to develop and to dial up there. Andy Reid is no stranger to any of this. He knows what he's got. He knows the types of player that he's that he has on the roster. Do you want to tell me that a guy like Rashi Rice, a guy like Kadarius Tony, a guy like Sky Moore needs a little extra time to get on the vertical plane. That's going to be something that you're going to have to have that space and that time and the ability to vertical set, get up the arc, have Patrick Mahomes drop deeper in the pocket. That's what this offensive line can buy you. So it's not just simply, hey, Patrick Mahomes is upright. And hey, you're going to be able to protect a little bit better with a guy like Jawan Taylor, theoretically, than maybe your other two tackles. And so you can shift help over here. And that's largely what we've all been talking about is very much focused on Patrick Mahomes stays upright within the structure of the offense the way that it is right now. This can have the ripple effect of now you don't need Justin Watson and MVS 
only be your guys that are streaking down the field trying to win on the vertical plane. You can rely on these other you know, weapons that are in the arsenal, which then makes corners more difficult you know, to discern what they're going to do. Nobody was expecting Juju Smith-Schuster to run a whole bunch of vertical routes in this offense <laughs> last year. You got to sit on a lot of what Juju did. He was a very effective wide receiver. He was very good for this team. I'm not trying to take that away from him, but that element of what's he going to do, that element of keeping the defense and the cornerbacks and the safeties guessing is not there. If you can protect for that extra quarter of a second, that extra you know, third of a second, you know, hopefully, you know, knock on wood over here. Now, all of a sudden, even if those plays aren't hitting, if Patrick Mahomes isn't hitting guys down the field, if they're open, that quarterback is terrified. That defensive coordinator is terrified. That opens up so much of the playbook simply by just taking more shots every once in a while. No, it absolutely does. And I think that's what we were talking about. I think Andy Reid and the Chiefs realize that this is going to be more important for them, that they're going to have to give assistance to these wide receivers to get down the field. My one concern maybe falls into this. Donovan Smith right now is kind of considered to be a starter. It's been a minute since Donovan Smith has had to pass protect for like not the fastest time to throw in the entire NFL. Longer than 2.2 seconds? <laughs> even still he's kind of among the league leaders in holding penalties, right? So like I did talk a little bit about how they, they got some guys that are a little bit more reactive. These guys that can handle longer developing pass rushes. And when guys start to counter off them, I would never put that as Donovan Smith's strong point, even during his best year, which it might be his 2021 season might be more of an outlier than the norm. I think a lot of people go back to that one. That was by far his best year in terms of pressures allowed, holding penalties, all the above. Even before that, he was just kind of fine at left tackle. And so just that is one concern I have. We're talking about how to extend these plays, make them longer. The longer the play goes, that's more time for a guy like Donovan Smith, who has a lot of holding penalties on his resume, to commit a holding penalty. So like that is where you do maybe start mm -hmm. to get a little concerned. And Jawan Taylor, I, I don't really have any concerns around Jawan Taylor. I think he's improving each and every year he's been in the NFL. But you are only a year, a year and a half removed from him not being great at right tackle for the Jaguars. So if he does fall back into old bad habits or just has a little bit of a regression with the new team, same thing. So, and I'm sure the Chiefs would have a backup plan if either one of these things are happening. They're not going to just push the ball to push the ball if it's not working. It's just those are the two caveats to everything else is I don't know if that fits Donovan Smith's game particularly well. I would agree with that, but is Donovan Smith the start? Again, we'll get into that in camp. We'll we'll see what comes from that. Yeah, but giving him help a little bit, having him, you know, have somebody well a, a versed tight in end. that regard. Yeah, well a running back in that regard he, right now. Yeah, you know, the the Chiefs are very comfortable doing that to try and get those deeper shots. Heck, when they wanted to take those deeper shots last year, a lot of times it was leaving a tight end in and chipping the opposite side with a running back. Now you don't necessarily have to do that as much. And yes, to Maddie's point, Andy Reid isn't just going to dig his heels in and say, nope, we're pushing the ball down the field. Come hell or high water, we don't care how much Patrick Mahomes gets hit or how much he gets hurt. This isn't, a, I just lost his name, but uh, the offensive coordinator from a few years back that was making you know, the Bears take eight, nine, you know, oh. step drops every single time and just getting their quarterbacks 
just absolutely obliterated. Yes, Jordan Foot, we are talking about deeper shots. Thank you, uh, by the way, for that uh, super chat donation. That goes to the Therese A. Paler Foundation for anybody that wants to use the super chat function there. It is turned on. All right, let's talk a little bit about something that Maddie alluded to earlier and something that Andy Heck is very much, it requires protecting the B gap from the offensive tackles. If they are vertical setting a little bit more, if they are not, you know, trying to protect, not trying to leave their guards with that responsibility, do we think that we are going to see that come back into play a little bit more. Jawan Taylor is terrific at it. Watching him move, watching his footwork, watching his ability to check back inside and get back up the arc with his sets is terrific. And why I'm okay with him playing right tackle, because frankly, he's really good at it last year. It was just absolutely really, really good at it last year. Or do we think it's going to be like the last two years where this team is going to go, hey, we trust our guards, we know they can handle things. We don't have to worry as much about the B gap with our offensive tackle. So we're going to allow Donovan Smith to get up the arc a little more. Wanye Morris or Lucas Niang. We're going to allow these guys to play a little more like offensive tackles and not have to worry about that interior gap. Is it going to be, I think realistically, it's probably going to be a blend of the two. But do you think we go all the way back to what we saw with Eric Fitcher and Mitchell Schwartz three years ago, Matty? I mean, I definitely think we see more vertical sets and just by definition, that is going to offer a little bit more assistance to the B gap than angled sets are going to. Um, I don't think there will be as much of a um, emphasis on protecting the B gap as there once was for, for this offensive line. I agree with the overall point that, you now have two offensive guards that can handle one-on-ones. They have no real issue getting out wide to handle a three-tech or to handle you know, somebody head up trying to cross their face. They Trey Smith, Joe Tooney, they can take a one-on-one as an offensive guard and protect that B-gap on their own. So yeah, you might see more, you might see more vertical sets, but I don't think you're going to see the tackles giving significant effort to hang inside on the interior to make sure they're getting a hand on somebody trying to shoot the B gap before retreating into it. Will will they do it just because they're there? Sure. I just don't know if it'll be emphasized because they do have the offensive guard play to not need to do that. All that being said, if they go back to it, would I be absolutely shocked? No, because I think when the Chiefs' offensive tackles were playing their best, and granted, this was Eric Fisher and Mitchell Schwartz, two very, very, very good offensive tackles, yeah. they were still they were doing this, right? So would I be surprised to see a Donovan Smith or a Wanya Morris or a Jawan Taylor playing this style again? No, I just don't think it's as necessary now as it was four or five years ago when those guys were kind of having to do it every single play. Okay. Let's look at this offensive line as a whole then. You've got guys that are maybe a little bit more suited to vertical set, maybe guys that are a little more technically sound on the outside at the offensive tackle position. You've got the same front three, two all pros, and one really good guard on the interior. You've actually got a little bit of depth at offensive tackle. It remains to be seen where those guys are going to line up. Wanye Morris lining up at left tackle and OTAs. Jawan Taylor's got reps at OTAs at left tackle. Donovan Smith's not there right now. Do we think that this offensive line, first as a whole, will we'll do this? 
do we think that they measurably change the way that this offense runs, not just in the pass game, but in the run game? Because the last time they made a major shift in the offensive line, we did see a shift in the run game and perhaps by necessity there because of the way their offensive tackles were playing a shift in the way that they pass protected as well, Maddie. Yeah. I mean, like I, I think there has, there almost has to be a shift when you are going from Andrew Wiley, not as much, but when you're dealing with it, it's going from the body type and the play style that is Orlando Brown jr. To the guys that you are looking at. Now, I think you almost have to have this just general philosophy and play style switch and I think that is going to lead to a lot of that. Like we saw the last time you just like you alluded to the last time they went over underwent such a big change to the play style of the offensive line. We saw a lot of changes in the run blocking in the pass protection. Like everything started to change. Yeah. It took a year. It took some time for them to all kind of gel and get comfortable and for it to become more obvious, but it got there. I do think we're going to see that again. This time it's obviously going to come more from the offensive tackles. I mean, you mentioned run game there, and I kind of wanted to go off on a small tangent with this. Yeah, let's do it. I wonder if we're getting a return back away from the gap stuff because I would definitely not say Jawan Taylor's bread and butter is uh, no, it's not gap man blocking <laughs> is not gap blocking. Donovan, you know Donovan Smith, Wanya Morris, like yeah, maybe I, I don't see any qualms with them being able to do it, but like any idea one that the Chiefs are going to fully transition to a power heavy run team is completely squashed at this point in time. I, yeah, no. And, and honestly, let's be real here. We talk so much about gap for what, maybe 25%, 30% of the Chiefs run game. Like it's still mostly zone because it's easy to run RPOs out of. It's easy to lean on for Andy Reid within a lot of his scheme and stuff like that. So it, it does just make sense. However, you're right. Donovan Smith's not going to be a gap scheme sort of guy. Uh, Wanye Morris, maybe we'll, we'll see. Not been a ton of that. Not a ton of that. Uh, let's see here. Luke's Niang. Eh, I mean, when we, when I was doing the gap scheme stuff, they did some of it at TCU, but it was rare and he wasn't always the guy on the move there. That being said, when you've got guys like Creed and Tooney and Trey Smith, that are just so good at getting out into space and punishing guys, you know, getting on the move there. Maybe they do still keep like power in their game plan a little bit more pulling Joe Tooney or pulling, oh, you know, Trace. I Smith. think for sure that's all going to be there, right? It's also going to be right. there. I, and it never became like the main thing the chiefs did, but it we wasn't. would see them no. rely on it for a game or two. I just, I wonder, depending on who you get, I just wonder if that's still going to be there. Because up to this point, Juwan, that has not been a strength of Juwan Taylor's game, even going back to college. He's not been a guy you want to be the linchpin of your run game very often. And so, yeah, he's fine in the zone blocking. He's fine just kind of crashing down and making a nice little down block or whatever it needs to be. He's fine. He's just not going to be the linchpin. So I just wonder if that is going to alter their run game. That said, Juwan Taylor has all the athleticism in the world. You still want to pull him around the corner? Have at it. Wanya mm -hmm. Morris, very good at doing so. Haven't mm -hmm. seen Donovan Smith do it as much. So, you know, I don't know if that's in his bag or not. It's just there's still plenty of options, right, for, for the run game. I just don't think we're the, – the slight increase we saw of the power run game over the past two years I do think is about to level out and maybe decrease again here a little bit. Um, 
I had a question it's for just you. Gonna, it's now, just going to be zone insert now. It's just going to be Noah Gray please. on zone insert. Oh, yeah, because especially the fullback. Again. Yeah. Okay. Okay. You're now like the Andy Heck offensive line guru. Of no, Casey do not Sports put Network that besides, on me. Besides, <laughs> besides Jeff. Like, it's Jeff, then you now. No. Um, no. It, it, so, listen, I, I'm sorry. There, You didn't put a big enough gap in between Jeff and I. You need Jeff, and then we're going to have next Thursday's podcast you. worth of space. <laughs> And then me, and then I'm going to slow that down and amplify it out to about 40 years. So anyway, go ahead. <laughs> okay. So as the resident offensive line, Andy Heck expert, do you think the Chiefs will change their style or their philosophy of offensive line, but specifically offensive tackle play this year? And do you think by the end of the year, it will be better than what they were getting out of the offensive tackle play as of last year? Maddie, I was going to ask you that that last part of that question. You're the so expert. We're on the same wavelength here, so I, I will I will start and stop calling me expert. Um, I do think that we're going to see them try out a lot more of what Andy Heck was doing when he came to Kansas City in 2013, up until the last two years in Kansas City. I think there's going to be a concerted effort for that. I think if you watch Jawan Taylor's left tackle sets when he was doing reps and he was working on stuff, it's vertical setting. And that's coming, that's being informed by Andy Hecht. When you watch Lucas Niang, especially coming out of, you know, a right tackle stance, it's vertical setting. And that's coming from Andy Hecht. Those guys are learning that as part of Andy Hecht or the Andy Hecht tree with Jawan Taylor there. So, yes, I do believe that we're going to see maybe a reversion to what we saw in 2018, 2019, 2020, and maybe less what we've seen in 2021 and 2022. Now, is it going to be better than it was at the end of last year? That is really tough for me to say because the last thing that we remember is Orlando Brown Jr. and Andrew Wiley and a little bit of the paint on the field pitching a shutout against the best pass rush in the NFL. Those guys were exceptional that game. Yes, they got a lot of help from the field, but they were exceptional. They really were great in that game. You want to take me back a few weeks before that? They were not. <laughs> so, I mean, I it, it is a tough thing to say because it's going to be hard to replicate what they did in the Super Bowl, even if these guys play great you know Mm -hmm. throughout the entire year it's gonna be tough to do what they replicated in the super bowl i do believe that this set of guys is going to be better than what we saw maybe in week 17 and that first playoff game for the kansas city chiefs where maybe we did see some holes we did see some issues in the game simply because i think you're going to be able to allow Jawan taylor to stay on an island and you're going to be able to focus more help with whoever the other tackle is, whether that be right tackle, left tackle, wherever it may be. I think you're going to have that flexibility and that that in itself, not having to give that extra help to both sides, allows your offense to be better, allows the pass rush to not be able to just pin their ears back and know exactly what's happening. And it therefore makes the offensive line better. Creed, Creed does definitely make him um, to, to Benjamin's point here. He, he definitely helps like he and Mahomes are getting kind of on the same page a lot more with protection stuff. So it makes it easier. I'm pretty sure Mahomes still does the chiefs protections. I don't think that's on Creed, not that Creed won't make adjustments or partake in it, but I do think Mahomes still does the protections, but Creed being able to help organize it all and stuff 
does very help that a lot. I was glad that you mentioned Jawan Taylor on an island because I think that's where that's where the improvement for me can come from. So I do agree it's going to be really hard to kind of match or to exceed the Chiefs offensive line performance kind of against the Bengals and against the Eagles. Field, no field, I don't care, right? But the Chiefs used a lot of guys to help the offensive line. A whole lot of guys up the offensive line. There was a lot of tight ends kind of in that like offset position so they could ship a defensive end and then allow the offensive tackle to slide underneath it. Jarek McKinnon very rarely went straight out into a route. He almost always was having to chip or find somebody to chip before releasing into a route. The Chiefs used to be one of the teams that got into five out, five receivers into the into the pass play immediately as much as any team in the league. They were barely getting four guys out <laughs> down the stretch last year without having to like hit and release. Like they mm-hmm. were, they really had to tone down what they did in terms of getting their receivers out into routes and how quickly. And if you're a tight end that's chipping, or if you're running back that's chipping, there's only so much you can do and still be on time. There's only so many routes you can run that just aren't check downs to the flat, which is what the majority of them ended up being. So that placed some limitations on the offense. I say all this and we're still talking about an offense that was the best in the NFL, the second best in the NFL all year, right? Like killed it in the playoffs, right? So like I'm saying all this and the offense was still great, but if you can get back into getting into five out more frequently, if you can get back to never having to use a running back and a tight end to chip on the same play every single time, like you are opening up that playbook a lot more. You are opening up your short and intermediate game a lot more, not just the deep stuff. Don't care about chips on deep passes. Mm -hmm. It's when you need a third and seven and you have to have Noah Gray chip and then retreat to the flat (laughs) and Jarek McKinnon chip and just run a little curl route or a little spot route over the ball. Like that's not helping a ton in terms of pass distribution. So I do think this is going to open up the ability to get guys into better pass distribution, spread the field out a little bit more, because hopefully by the time you get to the end of the year, Jawan Taylor won't be needing any help. It's not like he got a lot last year for Jacksonville. Hopefully he's needing none on whatever, whichever side he plays on. And whether it's Donovan Smith having a good year again, or Wanya Morris has gone through his growing pains, but you're just hoping that you don't have to help him as much as you were having to help your offensive tackles last year, or at the very least, it's just one side, which allows you to focus on the other four players getting out early. You know what makes a safety's job really easy? Only having three routes deeper than like oh, three buddy, yards. I, you need to go have yards. a conversation with the Bengals and the Eagles because it didn't look that easy for it them. Didn't, I know, that's true. That's true. But imagine <laughs> Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, a set of confident weapons and a little more space in the secondary there that's that, that I, I have fun. sheets right here of their third down plays versus in those two games the amount of plays that i have guys that are chipping and then going out into a route is uh-huh. insane and multiple guys multiple guys chipping before they can go out into a route and i'm looking at it afterwards i'm like huh 25 yard completion on like fourth and one with a three-man <laughs> route all to the same side of the field huh okay huh. that's what we're huh. doing that offense is good <laughs> Guess what? It's going to continue to be good. We will see how much the offensive line impacts it this year. That is going to do it for this edition of the Casey Laboratory. Again, please like, share, subscribe, drop a five-star review. Let us know what you think there. I thank Maddie for joining me this week. We will be back on Thursday to continue our season preview. Be kind to each other, and we will catch you later. Thank you for listening to KC Sports Network. We appreciate your support. 
Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard. You can find all six of our channels covering the Chiefs, Royals, Sporting KC, and the KC Current, plus KU, K-State, or Mizzou by searching KCSN wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network.